This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right. Well, welcome to it's another episode of Tell Me This, and it's the last (laughs) episode of season two of Tell Me This. And I was just saying to Brianne that I know I don't know the episode number, but we are in the late 20s, which I don't know about you, Brianne, but it seems I don't know. That just feels quite remarkable that we thinking about last fall and all the plans and the Google Docs with lists of things we were hoping to do and interview questions that, damn, we pulled it off. Like I know that the folder was that folder was empty, you know, save for the one planning document. And now it's full of all the scripts and everything. It's cool. It's cool. And it felt I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it felt um, that document felt a bit aspirational. Right. Like our hope (laughs) was that we were going to move through all that. And um, and gosh, we did way more than just move through it. So um, it's been it's been a fun year. Um, so today, and I know we've we've talked about this a little bit in our shorts, we are going to wrap up with sort of the second reflection. If you remember mid-year before the spring, Brianne and I did a short reflection on the the first half of the of the season. And so this time we thought we would wrap up with a final reflection um, on the whole season. And as is customary with us, we both prepared. I'm sure Brian prepared way more than I did. Um, and we didn't really share our reflections was, which makes it fun. And I think Brianne, we, last time we sort of did one at a time, right? Like we each shared sort of, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, yep. so I, f- I feel like maybe we'll do that again, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to start us off? Um, sure. I mean, I kind of wanted to just just talk a little bit about the experience. So I remember in research methods, when you taught that course to me that, you know, you said one of the big parts of dissertation writing is, is knowing your data inside and out. And Mm -hmm. so for people who are listening, we collected data from various contexts, like surveys and interviews and things like that. And so we had a lot of numbers and documents and just all of this data around whatever problem that we chose to study. Mm-hmm. And you can't really interpret the data until you know the data very well mm-hmm. and like backwards and forwards used to say. So um, this morning, I, I, I did not approach this with the same depth that I did <laughs> that analysis, but I wanted to spend some time getting reacquainted with our data. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the spring. So in my mind, everything is in academic semesters. We had like the fall and the spring semester. Mm-hmm. So the spring, of course, feels more recent. Mm-hmm. And we had just done a reflection. So that felt 
kind of more um, like I could remember it better, but the fall seemed like 25 years ago. <laughs> I don't know how you felt, but when I was going back to those episode scripts. I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't believe it. It felt so remote. So I wanted to get like back into the richness of those conversations. Yeah. So I made a document with a few things. So for each guest, I made notes about how they defined belonging mm. and then their kind of overview of the teacher learner identity mm-hmm. and then key takeaways. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. So first of all, I was like back in that data, but I feel like data is too cold of a word, really back into those conversations. Stories. And discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stories. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, and I had this like sense of gratitude, like how cool mm. that we got to speak to all these people who are so just smart and they have these varied experiences and they were so willing to share mm-hmm. all of this in the fall, which was like the thick of the nightmare, mm-hmm. right? Where we were just <laughs> trudging through the mud every single day. Um, and yet they were so thoughtful and insightful about yeah. what it was to do that hard work at the mm-hmm. time. So um I guess I could start with belonging because that was the first thing that I looked at. It kind of makes sense with our, with our work. So one thing that was expressed by everyone, regardless of their definition was of belonging was that it is a need. Mm. It's not something that's nice to have. Mm -hmm. It is like a fundamental human need. And some Mm. words that um, came across were um, belonging provides a place of comfort and it provides a place where you can be yourself it's dynamic mm-hmm. because Paula. people change. Yep. Yeah. And circumstances change. Yep. Right. I mean, and we were in the middle of that crazy circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, Astrid Schmidt King, I have to quote her because she said so eloquently a place for everyone that is always under revision. Mm. The I mean, one. everyone yeah. is the key word there, right. Especially yeah. with black lives matter. And, um, you know, the book, where's the book. You probably have it on your desk. Oh yeah. The you, are the we just, you are the best. You are your best. You are your your best thing, thing, Tarana Burke and Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I know you're reading that and I've been listening to it. And yeah, I mean, that's just the most incredible story of where stories of belonging and shame and resilience for everybody really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think another thing that came through across interviews or across discussions was that to invite someone to belong is intentional. Mm. and that it has to be prioritized and it's not, it doesn't just happen by default, but it, yeah. it needs to be something that we really work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I feel like I have to give attribution to Brene Brown. We didn't interview her, but it's so <laughs> I thematic, like everything. She, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, she, we read about this and we've heard and listened to her so many times, but belonging is a need. And everybody who came on talked about that. It was mm-hmm. like this unanimous sentiment about, um, first of all, it's a need. And second of all, that it has to be prioritized and that it really precedes everything else. So that was something that I guess it's not surprising, but it just was so nice to read it over and over and Mm. over again, that regardless of context, yeah, this, it just kept coming forward. Why are you smiling? (laughs) Just, I just love, I just love it. I mean, when you mentioned Astrid, I had written down, um, her great stories of working in the, like, Luncheonette in Queens with her parents, right? Like yeah, that yep. when you were describing belonging, I could picture sort of that space, right? Where these like diverse individuals going about their day, like all sort of come into this same place, right? And I'm sure her family um, <clears throat> did an amazing job of making them feel like they were a part of that community, right? Um, so yeah. that's why I'm, I'm smiling. I'm thinking of that sort of visual. Yeah, um, I loved how she talked about like 
and this was sort of a dichotomy because she said it, you know, one of the things for her that created belonging in that context, in the, in the luncheonette in Queens was consistency. Yeah. And then no matter what was going on on the outside, the people could come in and they could count on somebody Mm. warm and friendly like her greeting them and then bringing them coffee. And um, so there's the consistency, but there's also the need to be dynamic and flexible. Mm -hmm. So consistency is not rigidity. It doesn't mean that you can't change but it does mean that those core values mm-hmm. remain. And so mm-hmm. for them, it's hospitality and, yep. you know, welcoming and offering food. Yeah, definitely. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I was also smiling because I really, <clears throat> I'm glad you backed us up to talk about process. Um, and we were of a similar mind in that um, I, and I, I think I showed you my color coded. Yeah. Um, I too went back through similarly sort of the the spring episodes felt more top of mind so I had to do less digging in those episodes but really did have to go back and felt exactly the same way that it felt like it was eons ago (laughs) that we had done those but I also did some very you know back of the envelope coding um Mm -hmm. to sort of match themes across and um and what I discovered and I'll and I'll go I'll give you one to start as well But as you listen to mine, I would love for you and the listeners to think about what I thought emerged for me is that in our journey to better understand people's experience in this pandemic, their definitions of belonging and their sort of view on this idea of learning, learner identity, what emerged for me is it's almost like the tell me this leadership framework. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of what folks described, individuals and, and, and teachers and leaders described was were attributes of the leadership I think we want and need if we're going to cultivate belonging and build those communities and connections. So, And since you mentioned belonging, um, I had these written down in a different order, but so in no particular order, one of those attributes was dynamic belonging. I just love Paula saying dynamic belonging. Yes. And I think dynamic belonging, at least for me, as I went back and re-listened to that episode, for me, it has layers of, of meaning. Dynamic belonging, as you already said, is, is that, a, that consistency coupled with flexibility, right? Like people come in to these spaces with different baggage, um, different moments in the day, different emotions. This was certainly true during the pandemic. And we as facilitators and, and sort of welcomers, hosts of this space need to acknowledge that and listen and, and, and offer times to talk about, you know, what's, what's with us today. I think the other thing that came up in that conversation with belonging, in fact, Brian, I think you, you asked about it and commented on it was that belonging is not only intentional, but it's bi-directional that it's, that it's, that it's a walk, a journey that you take with others. It's not, it's not you just sort of unilaterally making this thing happen. There has to be a give and take. Um, and as you are able to strengthen that give and take, what I have learned as a sort of leader, teacher, and facilitator is sometimes I get as much, if not more (laughs) out of those moments, right. Than the folks who I've invited into the space. So, so it's dynamic in that it's flexible and movement and changing. And it's also bi-directional. I wrote down that we're really reaching for each other. Like it's not me just pulling for my students. I'm trusting them enough that they're reaching for me too. Um, I just got chills thinking about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, even last night to interrupt a second, but to give an example, um, Carrie and I, we welcomed 
some of the new doctoral yeah. students. And we've had four of these sessions where we just meet some of them in smaller groups. And, you know, the purpose really is just to meet and greet and sort of share the, the why of this whole thing. It's, it's not really about the nuts and bolts. It's not academic at all. It's really just community building. Yeah. And one of the things that you are so clear about telling them is that this is a priority for us, that community is a priority and the work you're about to step into is really hard. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do it is to realize that you have the support system and we are part of that, but we don't know them and they don't know us mm-hmm. right now. So, I mean, you're really good about saying we need to work on that. Mm-hmm. And I need you to trust me and I'm going to trust you. And we're going to come to these things and we're going to share things about ourselves. And mm-hmm. then we're going to get to know each other. Yeah. I don't know that people say that very often. I think sometimes it happens, mm. but you were really good about saying it and then doing it. And yeah. we've gotten a lot of emails from those students thanking us for that work. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for saying that. I, I think you're right a lot. I think that in a lot of circumstances, we just sort of assume by osmosis that it'll happen over time. And I guess I've just learned that I don't believe that anymore. Um, I think it does happen like, you know, in places where it was like, I don't think when you and I met that we had to say those things, we probably would have just evolved in certain ways. Right. Um, But I think you, I think you owe it to whomever's in that space to be intentional, to like call it what, to name it and call it what it is. And that's, it's the naming it. Right. So I think that we know that we have to be intentional and we've, we've really talked about that and all of our guests have what's different about what you did last night was we had planned this. This was an, an intentional Meeting. Yeah. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. So, and, and the plan was to develop community, but you called it out. Like mm-hmm. you named it as what it is. And I, yeah. that's the thing that I don't necessarily know mm. that we do as much. Yeah. Even if you buy into this work to say like, look, I'm checking in with you every day because I want to know you as a person beyond mm-hmm. a student and, yeah. you know, sort of provide the rationale for what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that that was really good the way that you did that last night. Cool. And it reminded me of what you're just talking about now with this bi-directional yeah. Kind of reciprocal agreement and walk that mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. And that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think the other reason for me, it was top of mind is because I've, we've mentioned on the podcast that I've started, um, coaching classes and you're going to be taking them in the fall, which is super exciting. And one of the first things you do in a coaching, uh, relationship is you do something that's called designing in the relationship. And what that means is together, you establish, and I know in, in, in group discussions, maybe you've heard it called group norms. It's similar. So you design in things like, you know, reminding the person that, um, you know, there's confidentiality is a good one or that there needs to be trust and openness, or it might even be, I've been in situations with clients where they've said, I just need you to know that, you know, I'm outside taking a walk. And so there might be some noise in the background. And so, so just like designing in what you need in that moment. And so I think that to your point, Brand, is really a way to, to create a mechanism for naming those things um, mm-hmm. that are important. So, so I think I'm trying to adopt that more um, in, in the work with our students and with others. So, yeah, so that's my first one. And I would just say, imagine if our leaders were designing in relationships with each of the people that, you know, with whom they, they guide and, and work with. So I'll toss it back to you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. So much to think about. Okay. So the next uh, theme that I sort of worked around was the idea of learner and teacher identity, which is something that we explored a lot in the fall, not Mm -hmm. as much in the spring. And so it was really nice to go back to it. Mm -hmm. So some keywords and terms that emerged for me, one of the ones 
that was so important is the idea of learning from experience, mm. right? And that every experience we have forms kind of who we are and informs our, our positions and our understanding of the world. And since we all have different experiences, we all have something to share and mm. we can learn from others, right? I mean, it's so mm. simple, yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's easy no. um, to do. So that's kind of the overarching idea and that it takes vulnerability to learn from the people who we are, a lot of us paid to teach. Yeah. Right. So I'm literally the person standing at the front of the room and I get a paycheck <laughs> for that work and I'm supposed to be an expert, I guess, in some of this stuff. So yeah. there's the content that we all bring and hopefully you do feel really confident and well-read in your subject matter. That's a given. Um, and also there's so much to learn from the people sitting in front of you, maybe yeah. not necessarily about the content, Mm-hmm. specifically, but about their experience with the content. And um, I'm going to toss it to you because we have a barking dog. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's funny that it'll be curious to see when we go through these. But I would say, again, even though I'm using the the lens of the leadership pieces, attributes emerging for me, the second one um, that I'm going to talk about, again, in no particular order, is also that learner identity. Um, and I love what you said about um, you know, expertise and experience, because I think part of the learner identity, and this came through a lot um, in the uh, Lisa Cerise talked about it, Kristen Barber talked about it, you and I talked about it in our shorts, this idea of you, it's not binary. This, this is never an either or proposition. There are no, there aren't just two sides to every story. It's not us versus them. And we have got, we have got to get past that because I would, I have learned over my time in, in academia, um, that yes, I am the person, you know, at the front of the room or in the virtual classroom who's supposed to have the information. And I'm convinced this year more than ever that even the content that I have studied is only one perspective. And we know from this year, I have been trying to better educate myself that there is a lot of systemic um, racism in, you know, the different privileges and structures and policies that we have in place. And knowing that I need to keep in, in mind that when I read literature and learn about research methods, a lot of that literature is from a white male perspective. And that's just the reality. And I know that this, this podcast episode is not about that, but I think it's, it's just one more super important reason to Brianne's point that everybody who enters into this space has experience, has lived experiences that matter. Um, you know, and it's, and, you know, Brene Brown in this new book talks about the sort of relationship between research and data and experiences. And she says at the beginning of the book that experience should, should trump theory every day of the week, every single time that it matters. And so I think, you know, the only way we can take that in is to, to come with that learning identity, um, to not feel like we have to be right every time to, to not, you know, to not be in binary, to make it a yes. And, and I loved what Lisa Sari said in her, in that first episode we did with her, she talked about how important it has been for her to be a student and to wear both a teacher when she's in the classroom with her clients um, or the exercise room, I should say, and to be a student because what she has found that it has helped her grow and really listen closer and harder to what her students are sharing with her. So 
Yeah, I think she also said um, we have to get forced out of the Goldilocks zone. Oh, <laughs> right? yes, that's right. <laughs> where we're where we're yeah. kind of comfortable. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Danielle said that I really liked was that she teaches fifth graders mm-hmm. and she was talking about kind of the big picture of life lessons that she wants them to learn. And, um, you know, they're what, 10, 11, 12 or so years old, mm-hmm. 10, 11, I guess. Yeah. And so life lessons is kind of a, a stretch, but she talks about them being lifelong learners and how she is determined to model that for them, mm-hmm. even at that age. And if I they learn that. nothing else, if they come away with the fact that you should always be curious and always want to learn from one another um, and recognize like the value of other people's experiences, mm-hmm. then that's a win. And yeah. that, I just, I think there's so much value in there. Astrid said, it's a delicate dance. And um, she's right. You know, she said, we know our subject matter. And there's also so much that we do not know. Yeah. And she said, um, I am the learner in the Black Lives Matter movement. Please hold me accountable and teach me. Mm. so to be so explicit about the fact yeah. that she is a learner I mean that's you know kind of like we were saying before with naming it mm-hmm. that's what I've started to do with my students and just say you know you all bring different stories and experiences to the table and to me there's a lot to learn here absolutely yeah and the the last thing I'd say before we move on to the next one is what I want our audience to also hear is that adopting a learning identity is directly connected to cultivating belonging (laughs) because if you're able to adopt that learner identity, you can build trust. You build connection. If as Brianne described, she walks into the classroom and reminds her students, and we do this with the doc students too, remind them that you do have something to contribute in this space. You bring your experience. Well, they've just been seen and heard by you, right? Like that is part of belonging. And then it just promotes growth and I don't know. It gives us all permission to sort of maybe take a sigh of relief that the pressure isn't on to know everything. And it gives us permission to admit we don't know. And like, wow, what a, I don't know if a, again, if a leader walked into a meeting and didn't expect me to have all the answers, I mean, how would that feel to be able to give your employees, your, your people that kind of grace? So Absolutely. Catherine said um, that she was telling her students who are, I think, middle school history mm-hmm. students that they are the primary source because yes. you know, oh, they spent a lot I of time talking that. about primary and secondary sources. Yes. Um, and she was talking about living through the pandemic in those initial days, but really we're all a primary source. Yes. Right. And so we can mm. generalize that and, and there's value in everybody's experience. That's such a good quote. We got to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we should have a quote wall. I know. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yep. All right. So what have you got next? So my third one was takeaways. And I, there were three that I came Mm. up with. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll just share all three and then we can choose which one to dig into. Okay. The first takeaway is yes. And, Mm. um, excuse me, the idea that we can hold two things. And Mm. a lot of our guests talked about this, but it actually came to me from a conversation with a psychologist who I know, um, who I talked with right after COVID hit. And that's one of the things that she shared with me, because I was saying that my students were really struggling with the fact that their problems seem small compared to people who are dying, et cetera. And she said, yes, and Mm -hmm. yes, there are people who are struggling with that. And you can also, Mm. you know, and should feel however you are about your personal circumstances. So that got blown up and um, everybody, I think, mentioned it in some way, but Kristen specifically talked about it Mm. and 
Yeah. Um, of course she's so articulate, right? <laughs> so that was one um, idea. And for me, that's just been such a, just a theme of mm-hmm. this whole academic year, this like 2021 academic year. So yes. And is one. Okay. Second one is shift from content to people. Ooh. And Paula said that specifically, but again, it's a theme that we heard over and over again. And you just mm-hmm. said it, you know, I'm beginning to realize that even the content that I had prepared is, it's just one perspective. And mm-hmm. uh, um, Jessica talked about it. So Jessica, my sister-in-law, Anastasia mm-hmm. talked about the power of checking in with her students daily. Paula talked about it. Kristen, um, Lisa Cerise talked about it. So these Catherine, are all different yeah. contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think everybody really yeah. had these moments of, I had these <clears throat> well-laid lesson plans and they went out the window Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. And even Tina and Mary, when we were talking about parenting in the pandemic, I feel like they were doing their own version of checking in with their, their, their kids. Right. On yeah. Things. Yeah. So, so true. So absolutely. true. Um, and the third one was act the way you want to feel mm. and Astrid said it, but I think um, Lisa also talked about it. So act the way you want to feel. So if you want to feel like you belong, if you want to feel like you're a teacher who is also a learner, if you want to prioritize the person, do the work, Hmm. like, don't just talk about it, (laughs) do those things. Because when you invite other people to share their perspectives, it actually makes you feel like you belong in the class or the group um, Mm -hmm. as well. So it's definitely a reciprocal thing. Um, Catherine talked about being a control enthusiast. Oh yes. (laughs) Another good quotable (laughs) quote. Another good quote. Yeah. Yeah. We can't control so much these days, just big picture wise, but we certainly can control how we act. Right. Mm -hmm. And Lisa talked about laughter and levity and um, a couple of people did. Jess talked about smiling. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, seriously, no one smiles more than she does. And um, that's so important and helpful. I mean, last night you were joking and kind of kindly teasing one of the students about having an AOL account. Oh yeah. (laughs) The joke sort of carried through and it just broke the tension of like awkward meeting people for the first time. So, and the rocket and the rocket. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So act the way you want to feel, I think was. That's awesome. Oh, that's so funny because I mean, not surprisingly, I guess, um, but your takeaways match up pretty nicely with a couple of my other sort of attributes of sort of what I was calling leadership. So I'll, I'll build on what you were saying. So the both and aspect I put under, um, when we were talking about, I did a short on embracing our brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that, you know, things are messy, just as you said, yes, you know, things are hard. People are dying and really struggling and you can have a happy day, right? Like all of that is true. And I think uh, the other part of the embracing our brokenness that I connected was what Astrid also said was this idea of having some humility around how you're feeling to give yourself some grace, um, to be able to express that gratitude. Um, yeah. So, so that was the the first one that came to me when you were talking. And then it's funny that you talked about, um, you know, the sense of humor and smiles because one of the attributes I wrote down for leadership, which I don't know that I've ever seen this in sort of characteristics of leadership and that is movement, right? Cause um, Lisa Cerise wow. talked a lot about, um, just getting up and moving. And when, um, Rebecca Chisholm in the winter, and I'm, I apologize, I'm forgetting her name, but she interviewed um, a mental health professional and one of her big threes for managing the pandemic is moving every day, 
doing something, gardening, walking, golfing, running, biking, you know, just doing some yoga, just movement. Um, and I feel like it, it wraps right into what you were saying in terms of act how you want to feel. Right. So like, if you want to feel energetic, then maybe you need to get up and move around. Um, if you want to feel at peace, maybe you need to get up and, and do some focused breathing, um, you know, and all of those things. So, um, and I teach a leadership theory course at Hopkins and I, we've never talked about movement as part of <laughs> the leadership. Mm. So, um, and the last one I had, and I was trying to see, I think it really connects across a lot of what we talked about, which is um, being able to adopt a mindset where you lean into difficulty with the ability to just stay in that moment, just to have that moment, you know, wash over you and feel all that you need to feel and notice what you need to notice that um, in our interview about the book, Brian, we talked about transitions and oftentimes in transitions, our knee jerk reaction is to duck and weave, to cover, to push it down, to get through it super quickly. And that's just, if you're being a good leader and helping to navigate your own and others transitions and difficult times, that's actually exactly what you shouldn't do. Um, you should take that moment and lean on the community and the belonging that hopefully you've been working on and just stay in it and acknowledge. And I remember, um, in the conversation we had with Tina and Mary, they were talking about how I'm trying to think who, who it was that said it, but with one of her daughters, um, it was Tina, yeah. it was Tina. One of her daughters was just <laughs> having, you know, in the pandemic and really not even just in a pandemic, any, any given year, you like come home from school and you're just having a bad day. And Tina said that we just learned in the pandemic. We have that, we have those bad moments. If it's like, getting mad, saying you're mad, yelling, crying. We just would do it and then we could move on. Like, I love that idea. Like you're in a bad mood. How are you feeling? Then let's feel it right now. Let's take however long it takes and just express it. And then you can yeah. go about your day instead of having it like be this anchor around your neck, you know, all day. And I just, I just loved that philosophy. And again, to have a leader or a teacher or a parent say, well, let's, let's feel that feeling right now. And let's, let's, let's face it head on. I mean, how powerful would that be? You know, you're having a rough day and let's, let's manage it right now so that we can do what we need to do. Um, yeah. I just thought that was and really for powerful. her totally so powerful. That was a shift for her because she is really, really positive just in general. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think before COVID it would have been like, it's not that bad. People have other stuff going on. Come on. Like, like, pick yourself up. We're going to yeah. keep moving. We're going to find the good. Yeah. And it really just seemed like she just gave them the space to be like, this stinks. Yeah. You're right. It totally stinks. And you have yeah. your moment and then hopefully you kind of, you know, laughed off. So yeah, at the end, I, like you have to feel it first. Yeah. And I think we all, I feel like we all have stories about those kinds of moments. I mean, I know as a parent, you know, we had a couple of well, probably more than a couple. I'm being generous. <laughs> we had several, you know, moments where we were all just so tired of this thing. And I remember saying to my kids, I know you're, you're hating this. This sucks. We don't like it either. Right. Like just being like, we know this is bad and we need to figure out what can we do today to like, have like a good day, even in the midst of this. And 
you know, I mean, I was telling you earlier, nine and, and six year olds don't always take it in the way you'd like them to. But I just hope <laughs> I hope yeah. by planting the seed multiple times that it, at some point it lands with them and they remember it. Um, and it made me feel better, even if it didn't have like an instantaneous yeah. effect on them. So, yeah, because it's stressful to always have to make things feel like they're okay. when they're Ugh, It is. <clears throat> it's really actually a lot easier to, to just honor it. <laughs> Be like, yep. And it's such a waste of energy, right? I mean, I'm not a, you know, neuroscientist by any, I mean, I'm not even, I wouldn't even it's not even that. I just, I don't know the literature as well, but I know enough about the literature from speaking to people and reading, you know, like Rodiker and Pike's work and, and things to know that even if like it's inefficient, it hurts. And it's like, cognitively, it just messes with you. Like you cannot do the things you need to do well when you're carrying all that around. Like our brains don't function, like they literally don't function well. Um, when we have that extra stress, I mean, you did the research on stress, you know, you see it in your students. So, yeah. 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 So, so any other reflections that you wanted to add? I guess my final reflection was kind of a funny realization. So I went through this sort of, like you said, informal coding process earlier today. And Mm -hmm. at the end of it, I just sort of laughed because last week we had a senior farewell for our, our, um, you know, our seniors who are graduating in co- from college. And it was awesome, actually. It was on Zoom and we've kind of figured out, you know, through this year how to make them fun and engaging. And so we had students contribute some stuff ahead of time, like memories that they had with one another, with faculty and in class, things like that. So it was, it was well-structured and fun. And I think, you know, they had no idea what they were contributing toward it from a bigger picture, but they talked about all these themes. Mm. They talked about, um, balancing life through the pandemic and processing Black Lives Matter and finding their way through the year that looked nothing like they had planned. So kind of being there, like really being present to the hard that they had just gone through. The classes that they talked the most about were those where the faculty checked in with them. Mm-hmm. They talked so much about how much it meant to them when faculty acknowledged regularly that they are just living through this hard stuff. And that those few minutes at the beginning of class, whether it was just, what do you think about um, George Floyd or the verdict or something like that, or whether it's, um, you know, what were some of the fun questions that we asked? If you could go anywhere, live anywhere for, for a month, where would it be? You know, yeah. like some of them were just light and they appreciated that as well, mm-hmm. but they needed that, that check-in and total shout out to Jessica for that. Cause you know, she, she talks about that as well, but mm-hmm. They talked about belonging. Not one of them ever used the word, but they mm-hmm. talked about belonging. They talked about being valued as people who could just show up as they were. Yeah. And then they learned. And that was the thing. It wasn't just a check-in session. It was checking in and talking. And then they felt free enough to move to the content, mm-hmm. right? Like, so they did learn a lot about the things that they were quote, supposed to have learned. Mm-hmm. And I think only because of the care that was shown to them ahead of time, right? Which circles back to Paula's, you know, shifting from the content to the people. It doesn't mean that you exclude the content entirely. It means that you prioritize the people. Yeah. So that they can be open enough to to get to the content. Um, And you talk about that a lot. You talked about it last night, that there can be kindness and rigor, right? So we're not at all suggesting that we get rid of the content, Mm -mm. um, but just that we recognize the people in front of us as people first. So Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yes, you are students who have to learn this and your students who are struggling right now because this is a crazy way to learn and live. That's right. right. So there's the yes and. So I just thought like at the end of the day, my students teach me so much mm-hmm. always. And yeah. here it was again. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, without any like comparing and contrasting our notes, we landed on a lot of similar <laughs> themes, which I love. And yeah. I really do think, I mean, again, you know, I've read some of the, the research on leadership and I think some of these show up in the leadership theory, but perhaps some of them don't in the way that we've articulated and named it, which is, I think, the point that we're trying to make. Um, and so this idea of, you know, dynamic belonging, bi-directional connection and reaching for each other. We talked once again about the learning identity. And if you've listened to um, the four learning educators podcast at all with Kristen and Paula, myself and Brianne, we talk, that's really the topic, you know, being okay with uncertainty, things not being binary. And as Lisa reminds us, you know, Lisa Cerise reminds us being a student. We also talked about, you know, when in your takeaways, Brianne, you talked about the both and and. And so I was talking about embracing our brokenness, which is certainly similar Um, I love this idea of people over content. That's one that I'm going to add to the list (laughs) that I think, I think is a through line in some of the things I mentioned, but again, I really want to name it. Um, I'm really intentional about naming these things. So people over content leaning into difficulty and we both in our own way arrived at this idea of movement and smiles and sense of humor. And perhaps it's like engaging the body in where the mind thinks it wants to be right. It's like those, mm-hmm. the coalescing of those two things. And, and the, the last, well, the two last things I wanted to say is first, when I look at our notes and listen to you talk, and I think about those moments with us and our students and in those moments where like, you're just, and I know we've all had them when you're in a group of people and you're totally energized and things are wide open, things are going really well. What I've decided that is, I used to think, well, it's because I'm with my, the people who like get me, right? Like they're all drinking the Kool-Aid. I still think that, but what I think now is what Parker Palmer talks about. And he talks about this idea of living an undivided life. And I think for me, those moments of elation and energy. And when I get off the zoom call or out of a classroom and I can't go to bed, it's because my soul was able to show up that my soul, the internal was, you know, equal or similar with the external. And so I hope that, you know, this, I hope this season Brianne has given people a way to help each other's souls show up more often. I know that sounds cheesy. And if you haven't read Parker Palmer, it won't, you know, it does feel cheesy, but I, I'm totally there with that. Like I get that and I feel that. Um, and I love when I feel that. And I, and in my brain, that's exactly why I feel it because my soul is showing up in those spaces that it needs to be. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, there's some, there's some literature in the social work world where that concept that you're talking about is called attunement. Mm. And it's this idea of you just feel really connected with the person with whom you're speaking. Yes. And, that's the word that came to mind as you were talking about this. And it's Mm. something that we strive for in some clinical work that we do. Um, And it's a strategy that's taught and there's, you know, like steps to, Mm. to creating that environment of attunement. And one of them is empathy and just really Mm. trying to 
understand where the person is. Well, if you're going to be really empathetic, that requires vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? You have to be willing to go there and to understand That's right. the, the hardest thing, right? Or um, their greatest concern. They're all different kind of catchphrases for it, but mm. these are all very similar ideas yeah, that are I love coming that. together. Um, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that. I love, I love when that happens, something we're talking about in a different context, it's being done in another place with a different word. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that very much. So um, any final words before I send us off? Gosh, no, I just, I can't believe it's over. <laughs> I <know. laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we got to this point I because know. I have to say that I, Labor Day, you know, on Labor Day, when we were about to start that school year, I had I knew it was going to be hard, but I had no idea how hard it would be. Yeah. And Memorial Day just seemed like an eternity away. And we made it like we all walked through each and every one of those days somehow. And yeah, I and feel proud of us. I know. <laughs> Everybody I do too. For, and, for getting and, to this point. And not only did we make it, but for our listeners, um, super, super excited that like th- three weeks from today, is it three weeks from today that we're actually going to see each other? In person. Oh, I know. Seriously, I think I think, I think, I think it is. But like the point is, right? like Memorial after Day. after such a long journey and being virtual, <laughs> we're actually going to get together, which is like I know, like vaccinated. So I'm great. so excited. So yeah, vaccine, fully vaccinated. So excited. Yep. So, so That's I will great. end. I will end in a similar way by first um, just thanking our listeners um, for hanging in there. It has been an incredibly wild year and we just appreciate that people keep tuning in and we get these awesome emails um occasionally from folks you know saying it was just what they needed at that moment so i'm you know so grateful for everybody who's listening i wanted to because my mom has been such a devoted listener this year i am giving my parents a shout out um (laughs) because they've been so kind to support me and ask questions about the podcast so Thanks mom and dad for hanging in there. And I also want to give a thank you to Brienne um, for all her work on the podcast. And honestly, you guys don't know it, but she, she has had some kind of year with teaching and taking on new responsibilities. And just when she thought work was going to lighten up because she was finished a doctoral program, boy, was she wrong. And so I just want to thank you, Brienne, for your work. And more to me, more importantly, just being, um, you know, just, just a good friend and being there when, you know, things were just, ugh, and we both could just say it's ugh today. Yeah. <laughs> and oh no. Is, well, that's so kind. No, thank you, you. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I just, you get. <laughs> I totally appreciate it. And as I've said so many times, like this year was insane for everybody, yeah. but I always loved kind of having to do these things, right? Like having a deadline of we are, I mean, I wrote this reflection an hour ago and it's been on my to-do list the whole week it just hasn't gotten done but I I knew that I was going to get up early this morning and I was just looking forward to having the time to just think yeah so I totally appreciate the opportunity to to like think and write and reflect and talk with you of course and all of our awesome guests yeah to me it like brings so much energy to a time that has just sapped energy like nothing else yeah yeah, I I I totally agree I totally agree yeah this um, the last thing I wrote down for today was that, you know, it's, it's been a hard year. Um, this, this of all of our moments that we've been through, I feel like this would have been a year to, to really fall into that either or sort of proposition. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what I've been reminded of, and hopefully others have been reminded of that it has been a hard year, 
but there's also been a lot of good moments that it is definitely a yes. And, um, and I just want to keep remembering that in the hard year, there were good moments of connection of conversation and community. And I hope, you know, Brian's right. Like we, she and I have a ton of gratitude for the opportunity to do this work because again, I think that it gives us an opportunity to be attuned um, mm-hmm. for our souls to show up. And I guess I would just hope and wish for our audience that, you know, even if it was five minutes, 15 minutes or whatever, that in these moments that you were listening to our podcast, that your soul was able to show up as well. So I wish everybody a wonderful summer. I hope everyone's able to get vaccinated and get outdoors and reconnect with people that they've only been able to see over zoom. We are, um, this summer going to be doing, um, sort of a summer of coaching with some podcast episodes. So stay tuned. It won't be as frequently, but there will be some stuff. Um, Brianne and I are also toying with the idea of sort of re uh, kindling the blog. So there'll be more on that, but um, definitely this fall, we will be back with our season three and it will be all about leadership and cultivating belonging as leaders and, and how we do that. And we will be interviewing leaders. So Thanks to everyone listening. Brianne, thank you for being a co-host. And thank thanks, you. <laughs> yeah, and thanks to everybody who came on to the podcast this year. Thanks to Rebecca Chisholm for hosting a couple of podcasts for us. We couldn't have done this work without all of the whole community. And so we are, you know, eternally grateful for all that. So all right, everybody, take care. So sincere. Um. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.